Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Pixar Sciatica Podcast. Ayurvedic medicine healing. Also, it can be spelled Ayurvedic healing. You've probably seen it. What is it? How does it help? Is it actually really helpful? These are the questions that I have been very intrigued in answering. And as a scientist and physical therapist, I thought it would be a great way to interview an expert in Ayurvedic healing. So today I have Madhu, who is an expert in Ayurvedic healing and was kind enough to share his journey and his expertise with you all. So Madhu, so good to see you. And thank you so much for being on today's episode grateful to be here with you and talk about things that are going to be actually relevant. So much things, uh, so many things to talk about in this world, but it's so wonderful to get to speak about things that we can immediately apply to, well, improve the quality of our lives. And it's amazing because the, I've always been intrigued with Eastern medicine and I'm of Chinese descent. So I've been very much exposed to uh, acupuncture, Tai Chi, a lot of the energy flows and I came across Ayurvedic healing through just my love of Indian food, right? And what was interesting was as we were looking at the various different spices and everything, I think it was probably within this, this January 2021, my wife and I decided to say, okay, we're going to go a little bit more uh, vegetable forward. And we looked into Indian cooking because it was so full of flavors. And we looked and got just so intrigued about the Ayurvedic healing processes and it's, it's been around for a long period of time. So for the listeners who have never heard of Ayurvedic healing, um, what is it? Tell us a little bit more about its origins. Yeah. So the term Ayurveda, these two words, it's a Sanskrit terminology. Ayur in Sanskrit literally means uh, quality of life and Veda means knowledge. Kind of like in English, you would add ology to the end to like the study of or the knowledge of. So Ayurveda literally meaning the study of the quality of life or we can break it down to understand the study of how to improve the quality of life. And similarly, what doesn't improve the quality of life. And it's uh, the earliest texts that we have teaching this go back for approximately 5,000 years. And even those texts, they say, we didn't come up with this. We're just starting to write it down for preservational purposes. So it's one of these uh, very ancient practices that we're not certain exactly what date the knowledge came about, but we do know that for thousands of years, people have been using it and been getting results consistently. Um, and so really what we're talking about here is how do you improve the quality of your life through holistic, natural means um, that you're capable of without having to rely or depend on too many things outside of yourself. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's always so intriguing when you see a practice that has been around for such a long period of time to the point where we as a society say, we have no idea at what point did this all start, but they've been doing it for a long period of time. And I often see that also in the Chinese medicine aspect as well. They've been doing this practice for such a long period of time. They wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't working. Right. And I think that's one of the big challenges 
when you're looking at combining both Eastern and Western medicine together is that with Western medicine, you're looking at let's, we got need, we need to get this hard data. But what's interesting is that I find, especially when it comes to the Eastern medicine, we're looking at the human as a whole. And because of that, we're, we're working with individual beings trying to create the norms of that based off the scientific data. It gets very, gets very, very difficult. And so a lot of people who are very critical of Eastern medicine will say, well, the data isn't very conclusive, but the data is the fact that it's been in operation for thousands and thousands of years. So I'm so glad that you were able to truly break that down. So when it comes to improving life, there's, there's many different ways of which Ayurvedic healing can take place. So when it comes to kind of a generalization, tell us a little bit more about some of the natural ways that people can uh, follow or do to, to enhance their life. And then we'll get a little, a little bit more in depth in regards to sciatica pain and, and, and pain itself. But what are some of those things that people that Ayurvedic healing does, like eating, like all that other stuff? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, similar to TCM or traditional Chinese medicine, like you were mentioning, which is um, very similar. I mean, there's it's more similar to Ayurveda than it's different. That's for certain. Um, the focus really is on diet and lifestyle because there's not a lot of things we can control in this world. Ultimately, we can say we can only control our mind, but with controlling our mind, that means there's only a few aspects of the mind we can actually voluntarily control. And there are some, including our eating, our sleeping, our exercise, et cetera. And so Ayurveda first focuses on what you have full control of that you that we will absolutely get a positive result from. And the way Ayurveda looks at healing is that there's not good or bad, but it's aggravating or pacifying. And so according to one's unique situation, there are foods, there are exercises, there are practices, there are, you name it, that are either going to be beneficial or pacifying for your current situation or aggravating or going to make your situation more difficult. And so really what we're trying to do with Ayurveda is start with the essentials with getting your needs met. Uh, again, going back to eating and sleeping, because if you don't do those things, good luck. And we start with the basics and the essentials around your routine, around your lifestyle. And then from there, we start to get more narrow into everyone's individual, what we call constitution. So Ayurveda, again, it's not something's good or bad where you might see on the news, it pops up spinach is a superfood. Everyone needs to eat spinach. No matter what, everyone should have 13 pounds of spinach a day. And then a month later, another study comes out. Spinach is a neurotoxin. No one eats spinach. It's going to kill you. And then another one, two months come, two months later comes out and spinach is good, but it has to be cooked. And like this, there's all these ideas that keep changing. Ayurveda takes a very strong standpoint that things aren't good or bad, but according to one's individual situation, it's either going to be aggravating or pacifying, make your unique situation better or worse. So what we want to start with is figuring out what's going to be beneficial for all humans, example of getting the needs, getting necessities of a routine, sleeping, eating, exercising, meditating, etc. And then we further refine one's healing by understanding your unique constitution. And really what that means is what does your body need in the moment to come back into balance? That's extremely powerful because let's talk about just even the diet and lifestyle aspect a large part of westernized medicine especially out here in the u.s we're looking at actually just trying to solve a specific problem when it comes on oftentimes and i see it in my practice a large part of the injuries that i see Unfortunately, it's kind of self-imposed as in people are spending eight to 10 hours a day sitting in a 
sitting in an office chair. Whereas if we created a societal norm of where you're not sitting in a chair for eight hours a day, a lot of the aches and pains that we develop over time will actually reduce in uh, in incidence. And it's it's seen, but it's it's hard because a large part of the, the westernized medicine system is focusing on actually, let me go ahead and treat the problem when it's already there. Whereas you're looking at traditional change, men, I, Ayurvedic healing, we're looking at, okay, yes, let's address these needs first, which I find to be extremely powerful. And I also really appreciate the fact that you said it's the individual constitution. And this is where a lot of the problems lie when it comes to trying to manage your your pains and your aches and pains and your health issues on all by yourself, because you're going to go onto Google and you're going to say, just like you said about spinach, you're going to say, should I eat spinach? And you're going to have these, you're going to have a million articles that say, eat spinach. You have another million articles that say that spinach is terrible. And then you're going to have another million articles that say, you can eat your spinach, but you got to cook it. Right. And so it gets completely, it gets very confusing. And that's the big thing, especially as much as we as scientists try to create uh, norms for people, we're dealing with a human being and each individual person is unique. And that's the very important part when it comes to pain management listeners is the fact that the pain that you're dealing with is entirely unique to yourself. And although the cause may be similar amongst other people, what's going to be important is that if we implement something, it's got to be focused on your relief, even if the activity that you're doing help the person who had the same issue as you, it might not 100% be related to yourself. So it is important to be able to focus on how you are feeling as a result of whatever activity or diet or food you put in your body and see how it actually uh, gets ingrained in how you're feeling. So speaking of sciatica, right, let's talk about some of the really cool things. So as I was doing research in, in, uh, in sciatica and Ayurvedic healing. And I love the fact that there is its own series of words because Ayurvedic originated in India, but Sanskrit, right? So as I was searching through sciatica, Ayurvedic healing, I came across this word called grid rasi, G-R-I-D-H-R-A-S-I, right? Which in the scientific literature, they say sciatica. But when I told you about it, what is the actual meaning of grid rasi? Yeah. Well, if we were to give a little breakdown of the Sanskrit, you, yeah. you, one could generally say literally gridras means I would almost literally be upset plasma or like disturbed plasma <laughs> of the body, which is, you could say the fundamental starting point of disease in the body. There's what's called dattus or like tissues of the body. So you can think of it as the fundamental components that make a human body what it is from the, uh, the rasa, the plasma, to the ructa, the blood, to the fat, to the bone, to the bone marrow, etc. And so the first step from everything that we eat and everything we take in the body obviously starts with the rasa or the plasma. And then if there's an issue cellularly there, then inevitably uh, issues are going to expand throughout the body. This episode is brought to you by the Patient Advocate Program. Are you tired of not having support between your rehab sessions? Introducing the Patient Advocate Program, and we're focused on your recovery, and we're offering you 24-7 access to a doctorate of physical therapy. Stop waiting in line to be seen, and stop spending hours doing long exercise programs. Imagine being able to get all of your care delivered straight to your phone. Best of all, it's affordable. We believe everyone deserves top-notch relief without breaking the bank. So why wait? Take control of your health today and visit PT Patient Advocate advocate.com and book your free call with our experts. And so listeners, what does that all mean in regards to what is it like in Western medicine? So I've said this a lot when I've interviewed other Eastern medicine professionals, but we're looking at 
what's interesting is that in, in Eastern medicine, you, he, you hear the term energy, energy or chi. Energy or chi are the neurochemical electrical impulses that happen alongside of our nerves. And so when it comes to Eastern and Western medicine, we end up talking about the same thing, but it's just different words because we're speaking relatively different languages, but we're all focused on improvement. And so this is why I get so excited to be interviewing someone like you, Madhu, because we actually have the opportunity to take a deep dive and be able to say, we're not that different, right? Maybe we have different approaches, but we're all in the focus of improving people's lives. And I think that is that often gets lost because there happens to be, unfortunately, a little bit of a turf battle between Eastern and Western medicine, and it should be, shouldn't be. So when it comes to Gredasi, right, the disturbed plasma, right? So when it comes to when it comes to that, and someone comes in and it's like, okay, I'm dealing with this disturbed plasma, I'm dealing with this pain. As, as a healer yourself, what are some of the things that you look for? What are the questions that you ask? What helps you figure out what are the best ways to take care of this person? Yeah, well, perfectly in connection to what you were sharing with energy or chi, uh, the Sanskrit word is prana. Prana literally means uh, we often define it as cellular communication. It's that which facilitates all cellular communication in the body, or as you you know so eloquently alluded to, this idea of just energy and a rose by any other name still smells as sweet, right? We're talking about the same thing here. It's just various ways to perceive that currency of the body. So it, in Ayurveda, again, we always start with what works, like make sure you're drinking enough water. And of course, there's nuances. It's not just quantity. It's also quality. Make sure you're drinking real water and not contaminated water or not what's called dead water that's just been sitting in one place for a long period of time, et cetera. Uh, or even the temperature of the water is going to affect your body. Obviously, because if you put cold on the external body, it constricts. If you put heat on the external body, it expands what to speak of your more sensitive internal body. So there's much more say than just hydrate. There's ways to hydrate and there's ways to improve your sleep. There's ways to make sure you eat in a routine and exercise. We always do want to start there because there are some things that are beneficial for everyone. But in addition to that, in order to really understand how to manage one situation, which when we're talking about managing pain, it's never, it's never just to manage the pain. Um, it's always to manage the pain while harmonizing or bringing things back into balance. In order to bring into balance, we must know what balance is. We must know what equilibrium, what center is, et cetera. And so the way that we look at that in Ayurveda is elementally. So there's five gross elements that we can perceive in this world. There's earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Uh, arguably, anything you can possibly conceive of in this world is broken down into these five gross elements or tangible elements. Obviously, space or ether being the space with the other four elements can preside in. And so, when we look at our bodies, we'll find that when there's certain elements that are too present, it causes certain issues. An example is when the earth element is too present in the body, that's what causes stagnancy, lethargy, slow down, etc. If there's too much, uh, say, air ether, it causes a lot of uh, sporadic and thought and everything is up here. Even people use the terms like, oh, I'm so spacey right now, or they say I'm so grounded, whatever the case might be. We are constantly being affected by the elements, the food that we're eating, which is building our body. The elemental composition of that food is literally building us. And so what we want to do is understand, according to our unique composition, which in Sanskrit is called the prakriti, it means our nature, our our natural alignment. Once we start to figure out what our elemental composition is, we can start to eat in such a way. We'll start with you know food because that's everyone likes to eat. 
That's for sure. Uh, we could start with modifying our food and other aspects of our life and eating in such a way that's, again, going to be harmonizing, balancing, pacifying to our situation. So let's just take pain coming, for, say, from inflammation. Inflammation comes from a heat reactivity of the body. Literally, there's, I mean, when you think of heat, if you look at inflammation, you're like, yeah, it looks, looks like a lot of heat. And so what we'd want to look at is moving and cooling the heat in the body. But if pain is, say, on a more nerve, nerve level, like a joint pain, we might understand that to be, say, what would be called uh, a, in sense of the terms of vata, but we would say a, like, uh, uh, let's keep it simple with a air and ether element of the body, like transportation of the body. In other words, say the synovial fluid of that joint is being worn down or whatever. So according to the issue and the ailment itself, we want to figure out what's causing that with an imbalance or a lack of harmony in my body. And there's a handful of ways that we can start to perceive that. And, you know, there's everything from reading our pulse to looking at the eyes or looking at the tongue. And there's various holistic ways to see that. But even in a more objective standpoint, if we look at our if we look at our uh, routines and our practices, there's certainly going to be things that we can see that are moving against nature. In other words, you know, the sun goes down, but you stay up on the phone, stroll until 2 a.m. Or, I mean, we can give a lot of examples of ways in which we're moving our body against nature, which is going to cause a lot of these issues. So we want to not only essentialize the basics, then we not only want to find out our what does balance look like for my body? Uh, but then in addition to that, we want to try to work with these currents of nature as opposed to against them. And then accordingly, we can start to get into the nuances of, say, not just managing that pain, but as you so wonderfully uh, express, is is use that pain to understand what's actually going wrong or what's aggravated in the body and bring that back into a state of harmony by going to the fundamentals, including, say, balancing the energy or the prana, the chi, and making sure everything's communicating because pain only is here. The brain itself doesn't feel pain, but it is the only way we actually experience pain. I hit my finger and the brain goes, pain, pain, pain. So that the extent that we can utilize and understand that neurochemistry, which then facilitates this prana, this energy, this chi, this cellular communication, to the extent that we can understand that, we can start to actually heal on a deeper level and then act preventatively instead of just react when the disease is at hand. Beautifully said. I mean, if we look at it, so we have this restored balance and then, and then moving forward. So tell us a little bit more about what that, what you're like, what the process is in regards to how do you determine that? Um, I think you said it briefly where you look at the eyes, the pulse, look at the tongue. What are some of the tools that you end up using or some of the things that you use that gives you this necessary information to help determine what is in balance and what is in not in balance. Yeah. So the most important thing is really questioning, which is obviously still there today in, in any medical practice, East West, whatever the case might be. Um, and big fan of both. I should always say like, if I, if I got hit by a car, I definitely want to go to a Western hospital and not my Ayurvedic doctor. Love you. Like he knows I love him, but um the West has its purpose and its benefits. And I, I think as you alluded to so well, spoken as well, is that uh, they work well together. As far as what can we start to use to balance, um, there are ways to question, to really find out because the individual's 
we know what's going on in our body better than anyone else ever will to a certain degree, obviously outside of using technologies. And so questioning is there, but then there's also diagnosis through what the body indicates. So an example might be, we can see someone that we know might be sick. Somebody, we know what they look like and they're sick. And it's like, what does that actually look like? Okay, maybe there's some bags in the eyes. We can make a long list of ways in which we could see the quality of life being diminished. So if there's ways that are so obvious, we can understand that there's more nuances, everything from understanding one's physiognomy to, you know, the jaw structure to what's happening with the breathing canal. There's so many indications to see what's happening inside of the body by the external body. And according to Ayurveda and TC, uh, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, as well as many other Eastern practices, the tongue is a map for the digestive system. So if we look at the tongue, we can actually, it's actually mapped out to see what's going on specifically in the trunk. And just as the hands and the feet have various types of what are called pressure points, or in sun, Sanskrit, we say marma points, little energetic setters that we, that communicate to the brain to tell us what's going on in the body. So there's various ways to say diagnose what's happening, not just from a communication standpoint by questioning, but also from um, seeing what the pulse is telling us, seeing what the tongue is telling us, seeing what the eyes are telling Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Etc. And then there's just flat out symptoms. <laughs> you know, the things that the people say, I'm struggling with this, that, the other, which usually is the first place we start anyway, because as we were mentioning, most people could immediately enhance, let's say, double their experience of health by really quick and easy things like improving the quality of their sleep, improving the quality of digestibility of their food, include, uh, improving the quality of the water that they're drinking and say even the temperature they're drinking it at, et cetera. These things can really enhance. And then from that space is when it becomes a little more relevant to say, okay, what's happening in my body that needs either pacification or you know, balance in other words. Yeah, that makes total sense. You brought up the fact that you actually have your own Ayurvedic doctor as well. And I think uh, it's a very important point for the listeners is that even us professionals have people who take care of us because yes, we have a, we have a lot of knowledge of what's going on, but it's always important to have a second set of eyes, third set of eyes, because they can look at it from an objective standpoint. I know for myself, so my main uh, method of fitness is jujitsu. So it's a pretty combative sport. And I know that every time I tweak my neck, tweak my arm, oftentimes if a person actually comes to me saying, hey, Ashley, I hurt my arm in jujitsu, I would say, okay, take a couple days off and just focus on X, Y, and Z. But I know for me, if I got the same injury, I would say, no, I think I'll be okay. I'm going to go ahead and train through it. So it's always important to be able to have that third party to give you an unbiased opinion because it's really easy to just focus on your biases and get out of that balance. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And so if we're looking at, uh, yes, okay. So here you have a, a client who's coming in talking to you saying, okay, these are the things that I've been dealing with. I've been through all these different other practitioners and I'm ready to get involved into the Ayurvedic healing circle, right? And so when it comes to this disturbed plasma, right? The gridrasi, um, you were talking about this concept of being out of balance, right? And so I think what a lot of people, when they go on to these uh, episodes, are like, okay, I just, I just need to know what to do, 
right? And it obviously very much depends. You have to see what's what's in front of you. But what are some general recommendations if someone's dealing with a gradasi, right? That disturbed plasma uh, with the majority of people that you see, what are some of the things that are recommended in regards to like foods that we should migrate to that could help out? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll, I have to start with the ones that most of us will roll our eyes at. But and I mentioned a couple of times, but you know, I, I'm such a big fan of the basics. And all throughout our good, it's always like just do the most important things that we do know work for. So there's obviously those like making sure you're getting enough sleep, which is oftentimes more than most people think. <laughs> making sure that, and you know, a good metric is to go to sleep and wake up around the same time every day so that your body can start to trust you and start to optimize its processes because your body is constantly signaling what to do when. And so if you're constantly going up and down with your sleeping and eating times, your body is not going to be able to trust you as much and it's going to spend more time in your sympathetic nervous system, autonomic response, which is going to be fight or flight. It's not a space for healing. So the more you can make your body trust you in terms of uh, sleeping enough and specifically around the same times every day, as well as eating around the same times every day, that's going to be one of the most quickly noticeable ways to uh, improve the quality of, you say, the experience of health in the body. And uh, a good rule of thumb is if you wake up feeling well rested, you had enough sleep. It takes a couple of days, of course, to get the body set up. But if you're like, am I sleep enough? You should wake up feeling pretty good. That's a good rule of thumb. Now, in terms of more specific practices than just get better sleep, drink enough liquid, uh, real liquid, spring water, naturally alkaline, whatever the case might be. Try not drinking too cold liquid because, again, uh, we know what happens when you put cold on the outside of the body. It constricts everything. So inevitably, if we do have the inter internal body, it's going to cause some challenges as well. So do the basics and never overlook. I, I say this to myself as much as I would say this anyone else, but then getting into more specifics of like what to eat. So again, if we're looking at pain, we're ultimately looking at something is going awry in the body and it's usually going to be on a very small level, on a nerve level, or it's going to be on a level of inflammation. There is obviously the case of say mass or tumors or gross on the body as well, but um, more common with the pain that we're dealing with, especially with sciatica or which, which is so easy to go off even if say the postures of, I mean, as, as the expert that you are, I'm sure you know all the time, sometimes it's, it's just a matter of making a modification to the posture, which can change everything. So there's of course, simple, easy, not easy, but uh, simple ways to modify. Uh, as far as the specific foods that we want to eat to minimize, say nerve sensitivity or inflammation, we're looking at foods that first and foremost are easy to digest. Foods that when you eat them, your body processes them. Just like if you ask yourself, have I gotten enough sleep? The way to know that is I wake feeling well rested. The same question is, have I digested my food is how do I feel after? Do I feel energized? You digested well. Do I not feel energized? You did not digest as well as you could. So we start with what foods do I know my body can handle well? Of course, go get blood tests for allergies and all this, that, the other. Um, I'm not a big fan of intuitive eating, which means just, I feel like eating this, that, the other, because my intuitive eating is eating 13 cupcakes because I feel like it. So I'm not a big fan of that, but I will say that knowing your body and trusting it is a good place to start. Just like, do I feel good after I eat this food? When we're getting into the specific actual quality of the food, the first thing I suggest people do is minimize the time from the time the food comes out of the ground or off the tree and onto your plate. The shorter the time is, the realer the food. The longer that span is from the time that the food actually uh, comes from where it comes from to on your plate, the less what's called 
prana or energy or life force is present there. And therefore, not only is it going to challenge your ability to assimilate and process that food, I mean, it might shut your digestive fire off and you feel, oh, I'm not hungry anymore, but it's not necessarily going to uh, assimilate and, and turn into, say, sustainable energy fuel. Uh, but it's going to cause a bunch of other toxins in the body and other issues. So first and foremost, schedule time and then try to minimize the time that food comes out of the ground, off the tree and onto your plate. Uh, those are kind of general rules of thumb that anyone can apply, which you will notice a difference with. There are, of course, let's say if you're struggling with lethargy and stagnancy and you stubbornness, and you can't get to move, then we want to do things that are going to be more invigorating, exciting. If you're too invigorated and too excited and you probably shouldn't have more caffeine, we want to do grounding things. If you got that and you're determined, we want to do more cooling things. So of course we want to be counteracting, but that's a much bigger conversation in terms of what exact food items to eat. We just want to minimize that time and try to eat real foods. And in addition to that, I will just say the caveat that overeating is a, a very awesome luxury we have in the West because uh, there's too much food. What am I going to do with all this food? Let me overeat it. I do see that a one of the biggest factors for most of us, specifically in the West, more than I've seen anyone else uh, when I travel other countries, it's primarily here in the West, uh, is overeating. So making sure that you, when you eat, you're not eating too much. And the easiest way the body tells you when it's full is a burp, a little burp. You go, which is the the gas being pushed out of the stomach, which you always want a little bit of air in the stomach for optimal digestion. When you start to eat too much and your stomach is processing too much, it needs to create space and push the air out in the wrong direction, which is a good indication that it's probably about time to stop munching. And so that's another factor that anyone could start to apply once they get that first burp, probably slow down. So these are a few general principles that are going to help ultimately uh, minimize and reduce the thing that's going to cause the pain in the first place. Well said. One of the big things that I think that you, one of the big points that you shared, um, because it's great because of the fact that, well, one, it's all simple. It's very simple activities. And a lot of people look into how do I solve this problem? How do I address this? And there's, we get bombarded with so many different modalities just yeah. through social media, through life, through advertising. And we think that we have to get it, but really the big power is in the simple activities that we're able to do on a consistent basis. But also the big question, I think you said this, it was that you would feel good as a result. You feel balanced as a result. Um, and, and I know that even for myself, when uh, if say, for example, actually, I have to say when I eat in an out burger, I actually feel fantastic. It's delicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I ended up eating, say a subpar bar hamburger with french fries i'm gonna feel lethargic like those are the things and um i think the big question that we have to ask ourselves is well how do you feel as a result of when you're putting these things in your body and oftentimes the simple minimally processed the vegetables the really good proteins and the things that we're supposed to be eating you're going to feel fantastic as a result and i really like the cue of when you burp that's probably a sign that you've eaten enough and so that i i love that it's and it's massive so we have the simplistic ask to be able to put these things in your body. Now, you shared another part of Ayurvedic healing, which is prana, right? It's um, I, and I know that in yoga, um, prana they say yoga like it's breathing. When it comes to movement, right? Because we haven't really talked about movement just yet, but let's talk about it in regards to movement itself. What are some of the things that you 
recommend when it comes to you know applying that balance but instead of you know ingesting it's the the output yeah what a great point and the cool thing is there's no questioning if movement in general is good for the body right we know that the if we don't move atrophy kicks in pretty quickly and so it's 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 a very obvious experience in the body that moving and movement are going to be beneficial the real question is just what movement and and so the the most simple way to look at this always uh and i this is really like we want to have kind of litmus tests things that we can always check in with ourselves as opposed to theoretically accepting something and trying it whether we see a difference or not i always like things that we can try immediately and actually see the effect and so depending on what your symptoms are or what's out of balance per se we always want to do counteracting app exercises or, or you say complementary exercises. So just like too much fire in the body, we want to cool it down through digestion. Similarly, too much fire in the body, we cool it down through exercise. So let's just give a general example of someone who uh, has a lot of stimulation, just constantly going, can't really slow down the mind. It's like just buzzing and moving and, and, and all that kind of spaciness. The next thing that we want to talk about is what can I start to do to ground and balance? So for that type of individual, as a their tendency is going to want to do more stimulating thing because like attracts like in the body. That's just how it works. And so their tendency might, let me go through a 50 mile run right now. That's what I need after my fifth cup of coffee or whatever, because they're used to that stimulation. Rather, we want to do complementary practices. So for that individual, we might want to do something a little bit more grounding, like let's do some weightlifting. Let's do some, um, maybe some grounding yoga, like something that's more, I mean, grounding is the good word, but like stabilizing, something that's actually going to calm the mind, just a little bit more slow and methodical. Similarly, if it's like, can't seem to get anything done, let's get moving. Let's get stimulated. Maybe we'll go for a bike ride. Maybe we'll go for a run. Maybe we we'll go for a, a hot yoga vinyasa or whatever it might be. You roll, you mentioned with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is also like, you know, a, a great Below, if, if, if you have a lot of lack of stimulation, it's like that's a great way to get the body stimulated. And so in this way, we always want to ask yourself, what's going to be complementary or balancing or pacifying for my stimulation or, or for my situation? Excuse me. And if, gonna, if I'm overstimulated, let's decompress. And usually we could look to the central nervous system's response, uh, which for those of you not familiar, we have in the central nervous system pretty much two simple responses of the autonomic response, either parasympathetic and sympathetic. In other words, we have uh, the rest and digest, a good place to heal and chill. Uh, and then the fight or flight or where you're going, where you're stimulated, wherever you wind up spending more time, try to do exercises and movements that's going to put you in, say, the opposite <laughs> so that you can actually feel a sense of balance in the body. And that balance in the body, it's a matter of addressing, in essence, what we're deficient in, right? And so being able to say, what are we missing? And oftentimes, especially out here in the US, what we're dealing with is that life is so fast. Even when we live in California, which is like 10 times slower than Manhattan, life still does move pretty quickly. And as a result, we don't necessarily have the opportunity to actually see what am I missing in my life or what am I missing in my lifestyle that will actually help with this balance. And what's interesting is that you look at all these different podcasts, all these different YouTube videos, everything is all about, okay, well, let's talk about eating, for example. They're saying vegetables, lean meats, starchy carbohydrates. And so all of that is a matter of keeping a balanced level of blood sugar a balanced level of energy. Everything is this matter of balance. And 
oftentimes it's hard to see what you're deficient in because when was the last time you sat there and self-reflected and said, what am I missing in my life? We often do that when we are, we are hurt, we are sick, when we are having a crisis. And what that means is if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're dealing with some sort of pain. That means that you are in fact out of balance and that you don't have to go and try to figure out this balance yourself. There are people like Madhu who can actually help you determine those aspects and helping helping you figure out how can we balance these aspects or like what food in our body, the movement, all these aspects. And what's really cool is combining both Eastern and Western medicine is that we're all in the same business of helping people. And it's not a war. We are here together to help you. And so it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be this or that. It could be this and that together. But it is important for us to be able to uh, understand that there is a balance. So when it comes to this, when it comes to Ayurvedic camp, right, this is probably a very new term for a lot of people, a lot of the listeners. And so if they're thinking, okay, maybe I should start looking into the Ayurvedic teachings and healing, what's the easiest way for someone to just take the first step into looking or beyond this beyond this episode, obviously? Yeah, I think that uh, it depends on one's preferred learning style. So I'll give a couple of suggestions. Like if you're a reader, there's some great literature that I love that explain Ayurveda in a very easy and accessible and digestible way. I like I like easy. So, um, you know, there's some books out there. One that's slightly counterintuitive is called Healing the Thyroid with Ayurveda. Healing the Thyroid with Ayurveda. It's by Dr. Marianne Teitelbaum. Even if you're like, oh, my thyroid's fine. It's just, it. she does a phenomenal job of breaking down the basics of Ayurveda quickly. Uh, there are others as well that are like one of my favorites, which is also a cookbook, is What to Eat for How You Feel by my dear friend Divya Alter. Uh, what to Eat for How You Feel. And so there's various literatures out there. And um, those are ones that I like, depending if you want to learn it or if you wanted to start modifying your diet. And then if you prefer listening, there is a really wonderful, te- one of my Ayurvedic doctors who has a bunch of seminars online. Everything I'm suggesting to is free with the exception of uh, maybe purchasing the book itself. Or, uh, But one one great lecture series that I love that teaches it, uh, her name is Dr. Marianne Teitelbaum. Marianne Teitelbaum, she's uh, actually based out of New Jersey. Not not far for, from where you're from, actually. And uh, she she even does like online consults, which is nice. Nice to actually not have to travel for it, per se. And, uh, you know, she has a great lecture series online on her website. And anyway, there's various. Uh, the cool thing nowadays, you could Google Ayurveda on YouTube. And you'll find a slew of uh, resources there. But, you know, whether you like a book, whether you like listening in, we have tons of free courses. We actually give all of our content away for free just for anyone who's willing to heal uh, because I've gone through ter- terrible health crisis and depended on Ayurveda, tried everything. And it wasn't until Ayurveda that I was actually able to overcome them. And so out of gratitude, I just made all of Ayurvedic content for free. And so happy to share that with anyone if you prefer like having a workbook to move along with, et cetera. So there's definitely plenty of resources out there. That's for sure. Speaking of, how do people get in touch with you? How do they get access to the resources that you've created and the stuff that you have shared with the world? Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm weird because we give everything for free, which is kind of counterintuitive. People all the time are just like, how do you have a successful business? I'm like, I don't know. It's still working. But uh, if you're interested in all of our free content on Ayurveda, we have a free community. And it's we actually put everything from Ayurvedic content to mindset content because – 
Um, as most of you know, most of the healing has to start with the mind. And uh, anyway, a bunch of mindset content as well as, I mean, we even have business content for, uh, I help wellness entrepreneurs grow their business. So I just put the content for free there as well. And so tons of different stuff. Um, the easiest way is if you find me on any platform, it's madhu.life. That's M-A-D-H-U dot L-I-F-E, madhu.life. Uh, if you send me a message on any platform, then uh, we can get you set up with the with the uh, uh, free community, which is just a bunch of dope people, frankly, as well as the free courses that we have so you can start to sustainably improve your quality of life. And actually, I have something specific I'd like to gift your listeners. It's uh, it's an Ayurvedic workbook that I'm realizing it's not in our portal. It's, it's a kind of a separate PDF. And I'll send it to just only... For those who are coming from this podcast, it's a little gift for just you guys. What would be the keyword? Uh, what if we do Mac? Or is there a better keyword we should use? We could do Mac. We could do my last name, M A K. Yeah, let's let's do. If you send me M A K on any platform, Madu.live on all socials. That's my name. That's the name of my website, Madu.live. If you send me the word Mac, not only will I get you access to our community and free resources, but I'll also send you this uh, very in-depth workbook that we've created around Ayurveda, finding your own individual constitution, what exactly to eat for your body type, et cetera, et cetera. Beautiful. Awesome. Listeners, I'm going to go ahead and put that content uh, links into the show notes as well as the the code. So if you're looking at getting involved and getting the taking a step into Ay- Ayurvedic healing, um, reach out to Madhu. Madhu, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for creating such a great place for you know experts like yourself to get to come together and uh, talk about stuff that's actually going to help, that's actually going to heal. And we're so grateful for you having a labor of love, like a podcast to keep things going so that we can all uh, be back to back and improving the quality of life of not only ourselves, but others as well. So thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.